Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, and actionable steps to help you jumpstart joy in the world, in your life, and in other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. This is episode 187. On this week's show, I'm really excited to have Zoha Abbas returning for a second visit to Jumpstart Your Joy. She joined me back in season two, and we talked about being multi-passionates and how to construct a process to support your day-to-day work. We are both very similarly minded as we've been project managers and process nerds. And so she's back now two years later and her business has evolved and we have the most interesting conversation. I just loved it. We talk about how creative entrepreneurs can harness their values to kind of help define what their business is and how to best tackle it. She also shares her amazing three anchors of how to define your business so that it best fits you. And we have a lot of fun talking about some of the shows we're watching and Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies. I know you're going to love hearing from Zoha because she's just so much fun and, and she has so many interesting things to share. Before we get to the show, I want to give you guys all a very warm welcome and say thanks so much for tuning in this week and always. If you want to find out more about the show, you can find the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com and there are show notes for this episode. We do talk about a few different books and there'll be some links for you. You can find them at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Zoha and her name is spelled Z-O-H-A. Maybe it's your big dream to be starting a podcast. If that's true, while you're on the site, you can find a downloadable reference guide. I just updated it, and I'm sharing with you my three biggest time savers for anybody who has a podcast. So uh, I've kind of revamped it because there's three tools that I just love so much, each of them very accessible and a game changer for me. So if you go to the start a podcast button right there on the homepage, you'll be able to download that guide. And of course, coming up in the next couple of weeks, I will be opening my Plan Your Podcast Challenge, which will help you define a show and get you thinking about one if you want to start it. And then in mid-June, just a, a few weeks out, we've got Jumpstart Your Podcast, the class starting up. So I hope you will join me if you are thinking of podcasting as an outlet for yourself. And maybe if you're not, you know a friend and you could pass on the information to them. So without further ado, let's get on to this conversation with Soha. Welcome to the show, you guys. I am really, really excited to have Zoha Abbas back. She was with us. I can't believe it's been almost two years, but episode 92. And you're known far and wide as the multi-doer. Welcome back to the show, Zoha. Yay. Thank you so much for having me back, Paula. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am excited you're back. Um, <laughs> I know a couple years ago, and we'll link up to the show notes because that was like instant rapport, lots of fun. We yeah, just kind of totally <laughs> hit it off. We talked a lot about being a multi-passionate and how to focus that in and and how to multi-passionate people. So do you want to share what you've been up to recently? Because I know your business has kind of morphed and clarified and changed. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really interesting too, in bringing up our last conversation I actually went back and listened to it a little bit. And and it was almost like the seeds of 
where I'm at now were already kind of being planted at that moment because I think we talked about how there were so many multi-passionate creatives starting their own businesses because they couldn't figure out necessarily where they fit into the the corporate sphere, if that mm. makes sense. Yes, yeah. Um, and now what I'm doing um, is I'm working directly with and primarily with multi-passionate small business owners. So other people like me who are really trying to clarify what they're doing in their businesses and how they're doing it and also having time for themselves and their creative pursuits. So that's kind of where my business has morphed into. I love it. And I think for myself even, there's something really amazing about the second part that you said, which is about having time for yourself that doesn't necessarily focus on the business itself. Because I don't know, yeah. is this is this true about multi-passionates? Is it really easy for us to get so into all the creative stuff up in the head that it, oh my gosh, you just want to get it all done. And so I don't know, maybe this is a better way to ask this question. I find I have a very hard time differentiating between what is play and what is work. And I will just keep going. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And I think another thing that plays into that is the fact that the second that we find something else that lights us up, we want to find a way to mush it into our business, mm-hmm. right? So you have this thing that you love doing and you start getting good at it. And then you say, oh my gosh, I love this thing so much. And I love my business so much. Why don't these two things get married? And then you don't know where the line starts or where it ends. Like, where's my business? Where's my life? And part of that is actually kind of beautiful because yeah, I think... People don't get into business for themselves to necessarily have more structure, you know, Mm -hmm. and more rules. You kind of get into it because you want your work and your life to play well together, I guess is the way I can put it. Yeah. Um, And that sort of helps that happen, but it can also end up being (laughs) sort of a trap. So Mm -hmm. I think it is it's nice to know what your business really does and how it provides value for your customers um, so that you can kind of keep that piece separate from the things that you just love because you love them. Because I think we all need things that we just love because we love them. Yeah. And there's something kind of really magical about that, even in, you know, the Liz Gilbert line of thinking around, you know, don't put the burden on that creative thing that you love to pay the mm-hmm. bills, basically. I mean, it's kind of the shorthand yeah. and it's in big magic if people are looking for it. But I think there's something interesting because, I mean, in my own case, it's the podcast that is a passion. I mean, it's, it is, it blurs every line I've got and I will work into the wee hours on it because I love it and it yeah. feels energizing. It also yeah. is the work now, which is a super interesting thing. And I don't know if you have tips for other people that are like that. I make the art and it pays the bills but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it but i it also seems energizing like where's the liner well this is going to be an answer that nobody wants to hear but it really all depends a lot of the time but i think when the the art part of it starts feeling hard mm-hmm. um 
I think that is maybe a good indicator. You're talking about working into the wee hours of the morning. When it starts feeling like it's really, really frustrating and it's getting really difficult, get up and take a walk, even if it's just a walk around your house, right? Mm -hmm. And have a breather and give yourself some space from that thing so that you can remember what the things are that you love about that thing so that when you come back, you're coming back with that from that place of the spark. I think I think that helps in terms of knowing where the line is. I think the second that it's something that has started making you money, um, it's also time to kind of look at it from a much more objective place, a businessy place where you're you're sort of my husband talks to me about this all the time when I'm telling him about my business stuff and I'm getting all up in my feelings about it. He's like, okay, I know you hate it when I do this. And I'm like, I know what's coming. But he's telling me to put on my venture capitalist hat or my investor hat, right? If I was going to somebody and making a business case for this thing, what are the things I would tell them about the business? And I think if you're thinking about those things, it sort of helps you separate the money-making from the art piece. And you kind of know where that line is and where you can put your feelings and your love and your energy and where you need to put your strategy and your goal setting and your results. That is really, there's a lot of wisdom in there because I think there's probably a lot of people, even if they are a painter or or a musician or or another type of art... I often feel that podcasting is an art, so I'll just put that out there. Yes, <laughs> it's no, a creative it outlet, so <laughs> but we'll Girl, go with another an one. <laughs> Run with it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if you're a painter, I've got to believe that the creative mind also kind of has that space for maybe this piece, meaning literally this piece of art I'm making for commission. So it is a business using what I have and it is a business. But on the other hand, I've got to believe in the creative process that painter might also just work on some passion projects where like, I'm just going to allow myself the space to play with this. Totally. Yeah. Even if I'm not selling it, maybe it's not ever meant to be, I might, but that's not the purpose here. And I don't know if that's a differentiator that helps people too. I think it totally is because I think we've all been to that place where we make something awesome and we've put so much of ourselves into it. And then we have this fleeting thought of like, Oh, I could totally sell this. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. But, I I think that we all need to have those things that we're just making because we're making them and they're not going to be sold and they don't need to be worked into our business. Yes. I think you're totally right about that. Yeah, I totally came up against that wall making costumes or you know being on the costume team for my son's play yeah. that he was in this year. And it was like, this seems fun until now I have to make a bunch of different ones of them. Yeah, you know, like, um, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> the pressure's on. This is no longer fun. So I'll just do it. And then I will not do it again. It just sort of strips all the love out of the thing. And you're just like, ah, oh, man, like, I got to do this thing. And I thought it was so cool, but it sucks now and I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it isn't that interesting because... I I bet most creative people have had that or most people have had that feeling about something. You know, you make the cool thing. People come up and say, you should put that on Etsy. And then you're making 12 of them and you're like, oh, my gosh, no. No more. (laughs) So I think keep the creative thing in a space where it can also have its own life. The creativity piece can flow, I think, is so key. Yeah. Yeah, And I think putting boundaries on your, even just putting boundaries on your time. Mm, Like, yeah. 
that way you kind of know, oh, this is my work time and this is my me time and anything that I'm doing outside of my work time, it doesn't necessarily need to be about my business or growing my business or, you know, something else to sell in my business or another way I deliver to my customers. It can just be for you. Yeah. How do you recommend that people do that? Because I think especially if someone is really early in the solopreneur entrepreneur space, I Mm -hmm. have, I have that recollection of feeling, but if I didn't do everything for my business all the time, then I was really probably, you know, I was in inner critic mode, but what if everything's going to fall apart around me and I'm going to take too long and I'm going to miss the boat and everything's going to be the worst and I'm never going to get out of this soul sucking job. Yes. I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah. You've been there. It sounds like. I've totally been there. Just sitting in my car, in my garage, just crying because I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to leave this. Yeah. So how do you make the space if there's a lot of fear going on there? I mean, if you're there, we love you. It's okay. And we do. do. We've been there. (laughs) (laughs) It's fear. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But it really is kind of like tapping the brakes, not to continue our car analogy, but like. um, It absolutely is. How do you do that? What are your suggestions for someone who's in that headspace of, oh my gosh, this is too much. This is too much. Well, first of all, to keep going with our car analogy. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're not driving the car, the car is driving you. And that is a scary place to be. And if if you're so overwhelmed that you're feeling like the car is driving you, find a way to pull over, right? Just mm-hmm. pull over and put on those damn hazard lights and get some help, first of all. Yeah. Because if you're feeling overwhelmed and this is so easy, I think, for multi-passionate solopreneurs, especially to do, because we're capable of doing a lot of things, but that doesn't mean we should do all of the things, right? Mm, yes. So stopping and getting help, maybe that means you join a mastermind and you can get feedback from your peers. Maybe that means you need a coach and you have somebody there who can help guide you and help you kind of prioritize like, hey, this is going to be a thing that gets you somewhere and you can put this other thing on the shelf for now. Um, Maybe it's even just being able to sit down and talk to a friend and let all of the emotions out and just ugly cry and eat some cake and like feel okay about it. But stop, take a breath and get some help. Yeah. That's like the first thing. I think that's so valuable. And I know in my own case, sometimes it feels like it's too early in the process. But if it is that there's stuff that you feel like you need to do, but you don't really love it, I think also getting a virtual assistant or somebody to help you, if it's an option, is also a really good way to like offload some of the pieces that feel overwhelmed. Or if you can't do that, automate it. You know, if if you're not, because I'm thinking of social media and those pieces, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's great to be able to like, Question one, do you really need to be doing all the things? Like that's part of that's part of the assessment probably as you pull the car over. Okay, is it all important? And the answer is no. Yep. <laughs> no, it's yeah. not. And could you either automate or get someone else here to help you? I feel like those are Tim yeah. Ferriss words of wisdom in the four-hour work week, which oh, totally. I've totally. never brought and up on the show before, but like <laughs> <laughs> there's some wisdom there in that guy. So 
There is, there is. And I think when you're starting out and you think of hiring somebody to help you, you, all you're thinking about is, oh my heavens, that's going to cost money. And I can't hire somebody for that much money. And and I think a lot of times you're thinking about a salary that you would have to pay a virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. But literally when I think you and I are talking about getting help, even if you're hiring somebody for one hour every week mm-hmm. to just help you get something off your plate, even if you're hiring somebody to come and do the laundry or do the dishes or whatever yeah. and get something off of your plate, that tiny investment can go a long, long way in somebody's sanity. Mm-hmm. Totally and agree. Sanity is sacred when you're building a business because I have never done anything in my life that has made me feel more insane than trying to build a business. It's nuts. It is nuts. And all the things are kind of up in the air. I mean, the home life and then the the pieces that maybe don't feel as easy for one in building a business. It's probably easy to identify one of those things. That is the biggest pain point I have. And if I could just say it's taken care of by someone else, then that leaves me mental space even for something else. Absolutely. I love that suggestion. Yeah. And and thank you for bringing in too that it could be laundry or it could be someone helps clean the house or grocery delivery. They're so simple and they're going to help get that stuff out of your brain space and kind of clear away some of that, the clutter of the overwhelm. Because if I'm thinking about all the stuff that I have to do in my business and I'm thinking about, and especially as I think women entrepreneurs, there's a lot of stuff that's already on us, I think it's amazing. Yeah. Well, and knowing that it might be just for a short period of time, right? Like you're getting to the point where if it is that you've pulled the metaphoric car over because you're like, I'm never getting out of this nine to five. Well, how can you make it easier? And that was a big part of last week's discussion is like, how can we just let it be easy? And and I think we often try and fight the easy because it seems like it's too good to be true. I know when you're working with people, you identify three anchors. Do you want to walk through, how do you help someone craft a process once they're underway in their business? How do we Mm -hmm. start to create a space where running this business works for us? It hasn't, it's hopefully not taking over our lives. What's that process like in a creative business? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think, honestly, it's all about knowing your purpose and having an intention with how you're doing stuff in your business. So the three anchors that I work with people on are a workspace anchor, um, a time and scheduling anchor, and an accountability anchor. So I think these three things are the pillars of what are holding up a business when you're working, knowing where you're working, and knowing how best you will get that work done. Um, mm-hmm. I think those three things are really holding up the entire enterprise. And once you have zeroed in and what works for you, you can kind of keep going back to those over and over as you continue to grow and make decisions and, you know, go for new opportunities and stuff. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I think once you've, if you have been in a corporate or or a small business environment, whatever, like, a lot of that is already built into that package, meaning you have a desk mm-hmm. probably there. You know what the hours are and the accountability yeah. is built in because you're going to have to deliver 
whatever the thing is to the people that need it by a certain time. I think that's why creating those anchors for yourself gives you a little bit of structure because like you said, you know, when you're at your nine to five or you're working for somebody else, like that stuff is kind of set for you and you don't have to question it. You don't have to worry about it. You just go in and you do the work, hopefully. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it looks messier than it sounds and it can feel really stressful no matter what. There's going to be stress in doing your own business as well. It'll just be a different kind of stress. But I think having those boundaries and that structure, you're going to make it that much easier for yourself, talking about the ease piece, right? Making it that much easier for yourself to just go in, do your work and focus on doing it well, and then go live your life for the rest of the time. Yeah. And so (laughs) what the listeners don't know is I like to work on my couch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> would you uh, would you like to dive into a little bit and feel free to use me as an example because I think there's I mean totally. I have a lot to learn clearly but also like what's the there's got to be something special that does happen when you say okay I'm not on my couch I'm in a workspace so like I think we forget sometimes how much we're creatures of habit I think that we end up kind of associating different physical spaces with the thing that we do in those physical spaces, right? Like you can go into a bedroom and you can feel super relaxed because you're like, oh, this is where I sleep. Mm -hmm. I don't have to think about anything else here. And I think when you're working, right, or versus hanging out on the couch, you also have those things. And I know a lot of people like to hang out on their couches and do a little bit of work. I'm not trying to knock it because I'll also sit on my couch and maybe, you know, do a little brainstorming or something like that. But for the most part, I stay away from any other area of my apartment other than my actual desk with my laptop and my, you know, notebooks and all of that stuff to do my work because my brain starts associating the couch with a place that I work. So when I go and I sit on the couch, I start having this little feeling in the back of my mind, like, oh, I should be doing something right now. I got to get up. I got to go get something. I need something in my hands. I need to be writing something. I need to be brainstorming. I need to organize something. I need to do something. And then you can't actually just sit on Mm. the couch. Yes. So that is why I work with my clients to think about hey, how can you set up an actual workspace for yourself? Because thing one, you're messing with your other spaces of relaxation, right? And thing two, you're not allowing your business to take up the space that it should be allowed to. Yes. Those are really good points. And it's so... Yes, girl. Yeah, it's so easy. I mean, to get lulled into that, but it's comfortable here. Like I can put my feet up, but I love both of the things that you're bringing up there, which is that it, especially the habitual piece, because it's like you were in my head at that moment where, yeah, whenever Mm -hmm. I sit down at night, like I can, I'll carve out an hour just to watch the bold type. If people aren't watching it is really good, especially if you've ever been in an ad agency, it's about magazines or survivors also big at our house, but I will sit here Mm -hmm. and feel like I have to be doing, it's never okay in my head 
kind of the inner critic gets going or the hamster, whichever one it is, maybe they know each other, gets going. And and they feel like they're like, wait, you can't just be sitting here. This is where we sit to do work. And that is why you've totally just, that is an aha moment for me. So. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. Like it contributes, I think, to such an enormous amount of anxiety And I already have sort of been in a space where I feel like there are so many different things that I'm trying to juggle at any given time. And I think the people that I work with are also in that space. Um, Giving yourself a chance at being able to take a breath and, you know, not have to think about work or the next thing that you have to actively do, I think is so, so huge. And if you want to be comfortable in your workspace, like this is your business, this is your workspace, you can make it however you want it to be. It can still be a comfy lounge chair with a coffee table and, you know, a blanket that's that can still be a workspace, but it needs to be a designated spot that's just for you to work on your business so that you have an area to go to that your brain can be like, all right, this is where we go to work. Now I can start thinking about things I need to do versus going to your couch and just trying to like chill out and watch TV with your family and you're getting up and wandering around trying to find things to do. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. you know? yeah. Like, yeah. It's like you've we, been here in this there. house. Yeah. <laughs> we have all been there. Yeah. That, I, I know thank that you. I have been called back to the couch many a time by my husband and him going, what are you doing? What yeah. are you doing? I just started the show. And I said, oh, well, I need to get this thing. Well, hold on. I'll be right back. I'm just going to grab this. Well, I just wanted to do this while we were. No, just sit down and watch the damn TV show with your husband. Like, that's it. End of story. Yeah. It doesn't need to bleed into every single aspect of your life. And I think some pieces of life like that time with your family, that's sacred, right? And mm-hmm. you probably started your own business because you wanted more time with your family and friends and the people that you care about. So being able to to draw that line in the sand and say, no, this is not where I do that stuff. This is sacred time. I'm just going to spend it with my family. Yeah. Well, and it's striking me too, that these anchors that you're talking about as well, really kind of address that first question or an early question we had, which was around, how is it that I have this business, this creative business, and that I make it's make the space for there, there to be work time, but also the time that seems like it's downtime or how do I unwind from the things that I do, which are the business itself. So yes. It's like business hygiene. Oh, like yes. you find a space, you define when, and you make yourself accountable in some way or find a way to hold yourself accountable. I mean, even if it's something like having your friend text you and be, you know, while they know that you're going to be working and texting you like, Hey, are you sitting in the right spot? Are you at your workspace? You know? Or, you know, putting up a note for your, and this kind of goes into the accountability thing too. Like we all have different ways that we are accountable to ourselves and the things that we want and finding what works for you to make sure that you do follow up on the boundaries that you want to set is Mm -hmm. so, so important. Yeah, it really is. What do you think is the biggest thing or what do you find that people have the hardest thing shifting around these kind of process related pieces when they are in a creative business for themselves. Yeah. So I think that, um, I do think that some people do have some trouble just with these anchors in general, because they don't think, I I think they haven't quite made the shift yet into this is my business and I can set it up how I want it to be. 
Like we have a preconceived notion of this is what a workspace looks like, or this is what people look like when they work from home. This is when people work, right? That is one of my biggest pet peeves, which is why I work with people on a specific schedule for them, because we're, we are not all wired to work on a nine to five type situation. Right. Um, and then the accountability thing too is so huge. And I don't know if you've read um, Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies book. Love it. Yes. Oh yes. my God. <laughs> it like blew my mind, like legit yeah. just blew my mind because I was like, oh my God, like this is the answer, right? Like literally just like running around my house start raving mad, just excited yeah. with having had the opportunity to read and understand that because everybody doesn't have the same way that they stay accountable to things. Right. And you, like, I turned out to be a questioner, right? Which means I only respond to internal expectations, which means I need a good reason to be doing the thing I'm doing, like a good reason to me. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter if the reason is good to you. It has to mean that the reason is good to me. Otherwise, I ain't doing it. And people telling me, like, get an accountability buddy or, like, get somebody. Oh, to, like, my gosh. You know, oh, my God. No, like, thank you. Like the <laughs> I was on the swim team. And we had an optional early morning practice before school. I had a friend who would always go to morning practice. I'm just not an early morning person. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, well. Why, why don't I come by and I'll pick you up? And then that way you'll have to be ready for morning practice. But it was so easy for me to find a loophole and just text her and be like, girl, I ain't coming to morning practice. Right. And that would be it. It doesn't work for me. An accountability buddy, like. It's painful. It, it adds something. Yes. It adds something in a different way. Right. Yes. I don't know if I'm a questioner or a rebel, but. It's a similar thing. If somebody's, and even the phrasing I'm about to use, I realize explains part of my emotion about it. If somebody's coming at me to try and remind me of this thing I have to do, I don't, it makes me do the other thing, which is back out, say no thanks. Like it feels yucky to have someone reminding me. So I don't know if I, I think both questioners and rebels might have similar reactions to that external accountability. But yeah, I think it can really change. And I love, well, I'll link up to the book. And I think she has a four tendencies quiz on her website, which I'll link up to too. Yes, she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you are, because it's, it's a game changer. Go and take that quiz because it will open your eyes to so, and it's also sort of a relief because then I'm not broken. (laughs) Right. Well, and and I'm wired differently, and that's okay. It's totally okay, and it also gave me, like you said, relief. But it also made me feel a little bit better because at one point I did did have an accountability buddy, and it just drove me nuts. And I found myself trying to get out of those conversations, and like I didn't want to hold her accountable. Like, which is so funny because as a project manager, I think I actually do it different ways for people. Like, I ask for alignment from them, which. Mm, often yeah. is that is a good answer if you're managing people like ask them to commit what when can you commit to this by or what can yeah. you what do you want to do that's in alignment for this whatever task and then you get them Ooh, committing yeah. <laughs> and it feels good right like I could say yes oh, to yeah. those things and then I'm all in I think that's such a spot on 
technique because you're also putting the ball in their court, right? It doesn't matter necessarily. I mean, yes, I get it. It matters. We all have deadlines. That part matters, understood. But it doesn't really matter what, how fast you think they can do it or like when you want them to do it. Like what are they going to commit to, to you, right? right? And then the ball is in their court to be a responsible adult <laughs> and do the thing they said yeah. that they were going to do. Yeah. I'm so glad we got yeah. to talk about the four tendencies because I think that really is, it's a game changer once you know how it is that you are motivated and held accountable. It so is. Yes. And it, it also has been a total game changer for how I interact with my clients too, because um, I have all of them take the quiz so that I, that helps me understand them better and it helps me craft a better, help them craft a better productivity plan. Because, mm, yeah. you know, when you know that insight about yourself, and I think that's such a big part of the work is like, okay, how, what do you respond to so that you can actually sit your butt down and do the work when you need to do the work, right? Mm, is yeah. it that you need to have a really good reason for yourself? Is it because you need to know the consequences of various different situations, right? Like for rebels, for example, she talks about them needing to know like action leads to this consequence, right? Mm -hmm. So you can do the work and it'll lead to this, or you can not do the work and it'll lead to this. The choice is up to you. And obligers having an accountability buddy or some kind of external thing that they can hang their hat on that'll help them sit down and say like, okay, I'm by doing my work, I'm able to serve this person better. Um, and the magical unicorn upholders who can, you know, they do things because the thing needs to be done. And there's a rule there that you said that you were going to sit down at this time and do the thing. And it's that time. So you better sit down and do the thing, right? In your work, I know you also focus on on values kind of being the center of how mm -hmm. people um, what approach their work. Would you to get into how values can I don't know, inform your business and Absolutely. why we should look at them. Yeah, totally. Um, I think your values and your business's values, they're kind of, first of all, they're probably going to be quite similar because you created your business, right? And yeah. secondly, they're going to be the foundation of how you're doing everything in your business. Because if there's something in your business that's not serving your values, then you have kind of a problem. There's a disconnect there and it's going to feel icky. It's going to feel hard and it's going to feel like you don't want to do it anymore. So going, being able to go back to your values and use it as sort of like a North star, I want to say to inform like how you're making your decisions, how you're setting your boundaries and how you're setting your goals. Like, I think that's huge, huge, huge. Yes. Well, and I'm I'm thinking like, I don't know if you have an example of how someone may find that something doesn't feel like a fit. And when they look back at what their values actually are, that there's a clear reason. Because I don't, I mean, I, I'm intuitively thinking that it's probably not like it's a bad thing that happens. It's just. Yeah, no, not at all. Because all of this is a learning experience, right? We're, we're all just trying to be the best version of ourselves and the best version of our businesses that we can make it. For a simple example, 
right? If you look at your bank statement and you're spending a ton of money on stuff, I think I wrote a blog post about this, but it's like, there's a certain point in my life where I was, my intention, right? And what I was valuing was for us to save so that we can move to a new apartment. Mm-hmm. And I went back and I looked at my bank statement and my money was all over the place. So much food, so much food spending. Like, mm. I don't even know how I managed to eat that amount of food that I purchased. Long story short, my I wasn't putting my money where my mouth is or whatever the saying is. But I was that the actions that I was taking were not laddering back to what I was saying was important to me. And that was showing me where my actual um, focus was, right? So when you know what your values are and you're conscious of your values, and it sort of hit me like a truck, I was like, oh my God, eating all kinds of random, albeit delicious food from mm-hmm. fabulous restaurants, like that's great, but that's not where my values are right now. That's not what I'm putting, you know, at the highest priority for myself. And my actions aren't reflecting that. Once I became conscious and aware of that, I was totally able to shift how I was thinking about things when I was spending. So Mm -hmm. is it contributing to my value or is it just something that I'm doing for fun because I want it right in that moment? How am I making this decision? Um, So knowing your values in your business, it's going to help you in all kinds of ways. But the biggest thing is that it's going to help guide your decisions. And those decisions over time, they build up to so much and help you, you know, either gain clarity or not get opportunities or not grow or not. Right. Mm -hmm. So knowing your values is a really, really big deal. Yeah. Well, and I think it is, it's kind of, um, and it's a different way of thinking, especially about a business is that, I mean, a lot of people have, or a lot of companies have values that are out on the website, but then it's yeah. a totally different thing when you think about actually living them in your day-to-day, um, either interaction with people or like you're saying, how how you're spending anything, spending your time or spending your money. Um, yeah. Is if it's not aligned, then maybe it just needs to be let go of. Yes. Oh changed. my gosh, yes. Yeah. Totally, totally. Um, and I think that's hard for people sometimes because you get so used to doing things in a certain way. It's yes. hard to change your habits. It's difficult to let things go, right? Yeah. Um, but Well, and it always feels like there's all those shoulds. There's a lot oh, of noise yeah. out in the entrepreneur space of like Oh bleh. Yeah, of like <laughs> lots of gurus with lots of ideas yeah. and we feel like, oh, if it worked for them, then maybe it'll work for me. But the values question really could cut a lot of that stuff off right at the knees. I don't really want a click funnel (laughs) because I value personal interaction. And I know that would be one of my top ones, but it also doesn't feel easy. I think it's still an example of it. Yeah, exactly. And and so maybe if people are feeling like, well, I see all that air quote success because who knows how much success Mm -hmm. is actually being had out there with some of these methods. but. Like if it doesn't feel aligned with how you want to feel in a business, then yeah, just let her go. Like <laughs> just let her go. Let it I go. think that's like the the magic of the values, right? It, honest to God, like it brings, I think, a feeling of relief 
Oh yeah. Because you know that you can let it go. It helps with that compare and despair because you know what you need and mm-hmm. knowing what you need, right? That doesn't mean that it has to look exactly like what somebody else needs. That's not going to help you. So knowing your values, I think it's it's a weight off your shoulders. Really. Well, it is. I mean, even if, if we look at the example of ClickFunnel versus how I actually do find clients, well, ClickFunnel yeah. sounds contrived and probably a lot of money and to actually make it work and all of that yeah. stuff. It feels hard. And I don't think I've ever gotten a client from any of that. But then I think about yeah. interpersonal relationships and reaching out to people and continuing conversations that with people that I already just love and then mm-hmm. the magic that happens when they're like, hey, can you help me with my podcast? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't. Like, it's like, yes, yes. it's this huge, easy yes for both parties. Oh, yeah. you're like, this feels right. Now, that's not to say somebody that loves a good click funnel isn't killing it on their side because that's aligned with yeah. automation yeah. and non-touch and whatever. Maybe that's your value and that's great. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's exactly it. It's not just the accountability thing. There are so many different Mm -hmm. ways that different people are wired. Um, And I'm sure you've heard about um, Sally Hogshead's Fascinate Matrix or the the system that she's created. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's so cool. It is the coolest thing Um, because it's all about your zone of genius and how you show up to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And my top one is passion. So I connect with people on things that they care about and things that I care about. And I can get really excited about it. And that's like how I best show up for them. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are so many other ones that are not the ways that I best show up, right? That maybe we have all been forced into at a time or another in our lives for whatever reason, right? I I think there have definitely been times that People have looked at me and they're like, oh my God, Zoha, like, you're too excited right now. Like, I need you to calm down or I need you to be quieter. Or can you say this a different way that isn't you being so overly enthusiastic? I feel like you're taking it over the top. But like, that's how I show up for people. I'm excited about stuff. I want to be bouncing off the walls and like stoked that you're figuring this stuff out. I want to go to Disneyland and bounce around and scream my head off on the rides and have a grand old time and eat some ice cream. You know what I mean? Like passion and caring about things. Like that's how I show up. And for other people, that might not be how they show up. Yes. I think that's why we connected so well. Oh my God. I do. And I feel like you, like the, the heavens have parted. So I will go spend some time with the fascination matrix because that thing exactly. I mean, and, and then yes, I want to hear about other people too, but like just to jump in there, I feel like, if you don't get that, I have been misunderstood so many times because people think mm. I'm just a spaz or like, yeah. and this keeps coming up this season, which is also super interesting. Andrea Owen and I had a similar conversation and then Mallory and I last week, but like, there's something really interesting about that because I don't think people are altogether comfortable with those of us that are a little bit eccentric. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I think like it helps you find your people, right? Like, yeah. you know, the people that instantly click with you and they're like, yeah, I'm about this right now. And you're like, yeah, me too. And that's your person. And if, if they don't quite click with you, that's okay. There are other people in this world saying exactly what I'm saying in a very different way. And yeah. 
you can go and talk to them about it, right? And they'll be able to help you. And that's awesome. That's awesome. That is that is the cool thing about having so many different kinds of people and also why I think there's like room for everybody. You know what I mean? This whole thing of non-competition. There's room for all of us because we're all so different and we might all be talking about the same thing, but we've all got a different way to say it that's going to resonate with somebody. Exactly. Mm, amen. <laughs> <laughs> I am so glad you brought that up. And I'll link up to the the fascination matrix too. If people are like, I yeah. need more of that. Um, yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Cause I got to say, that's why when I, when I went to see Danielle Laporte speak, I, she was giving mm-hmm. out truth bombs and I got passion before perfection or passion over perfection. And I was yes. like that you lady are speaking my freaking love language. Yes. This one yes. little truth oh bomb. Gosh. And who knows why I got it except the universe knew, you know, but it was just yes. Yes, all the yes right there. Um, mm. Well, so if somebody is excited about kind of figuring out their own process as a creative entrepreneur, how would they find you? And, and what kind of, you know, what kind of things do you have going on right now? Yeah, so uh, they can just hop on over to multidoer.com and they can reach out to me. They can sign up for my um, creative biz challenge that I have totally free, a five-day challenge to help you kind of learn how to clarify your goals. So they can sign up for that at my website. And um, I have a new way of working with people that's going to be coming out later this summer that's going to be all based around helping you find your values, define your priorities, define what your anchors are, your accountability, all of that stuff so that you have this purposeful productivity plan that you can take with you as you're building your business and just keep going back to it and grow from there. That is so good. (laughs) I will link up to all of that. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, it's been a couple years, so I don't know if you want to answer the last question of, uh, do you want to go for it again? Yeah, 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 let's do it. What are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? I want to say, like, personal life, I'm going to say boundaries, because that has been coming back to me over and over and over. It helped me create space for myself to be joyful, right? Mm -hmm. So boundaries for sure. Um, I think another way like for other people in the world is just paying it forward. So any, any small kindness that you receive, even if it's something like being on the freeway and letting somebody into the lane in front of you, who's like frantically trying to get to work or wherever they're going, like just the tiniest acts of kindness, like pay them forward. Let somebody else in. Somebody's going to let you in. And that stuff, it really does make a difference, right? Mm-hmm. Like that can that can make or break an entire drive, which is a huge part of our lives here in California. My God. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, just pay, pay those little things forward. And I think lastly, just staying open and curious. Um, I think that leads to greater understanding and good conversations. Um, and it can just, it, it helps people understand each other better when you're coming to something with the attitude of curiosity versus an attitude of judgment. And I think that just creates more joy in and of itself. Mm. Amen. Especially about the curiosity. 
Mm, yeah. yeah. And suspending judgment, even though maybe that's a thing you do, people do. It's yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think it's easy for, for people to right? It's easy for all of us to, to jump to conclusions about a situation or a person. But if you just stop and take a breath for one second and just think about maybe ask the questions of where is this person coming from or, you know, why is this necessarily unfolding this way? Um, just from a, a more observation <laughs> point mm-hmm. of view rather than just going right into it with that judgment. I think it can be hugely helpful in moving through this world with more joy. Yes. Mm, yes. Well, thank you <laughs> so much for being on. So uh, it's such oh. a treat to get to talk to you again. It is absolutely my pleasure. This is the best. So hot. Thanks so much for being on the show. It's so great to have you back. And I really appreciate your sharing all this information with us. And I will say it's made a big difference for me to mindfully make my way over to my desk each day. I can get into the zone so much easier. So if you guys are also working from your couch, let's rethink that. Go find your desk or a set space to do your daily work. And I think you'll probably see an improvement in your productivity as well. If you want to find out more about Zoha or get links to those things that we talked about in the episode, you can find them in the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Zoha, C-O-H-A. And of course, while you're there, don't forget to get that brand new podcasting resource guide, which I have up on the site. Then next week on the show, I'm really excited to be running my eight great reasons to start a podcast. I've run a couple times this last month as a webinar, and it's always a lot of fun to share my ideas around why I feel like it's a great fit for you. If you are a coach or an entrepreneur of any sort, it's a great way to get your voice out there and share your vision. So that's next week. And I hope you'll come on back for that. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.